I don't know if uh, it's because I'm getting old or not, but I, I, I feel like mm -hmm. we have enough Christmas music. And I think it's safe to talk about. We, people know we're in that time of year. We're not at Christmas yet, but yeah. Christmas music has started. But I feel like we have enough Christmas music. It's like every generation of music feels like they need to put out another variation of Oh, Silent Night or White Christmas. We've heard it all, right? I agree. There's enough classics out there. Right. There's enough classics. Now, that's the other thing. Like when I w we were growing up, I, I grew up listening to like the Bing Crosby's. Oh, and, yeah. yeah. Um, Gene Autry. Perry Cuomo. And who else? Who else we got? We got the Burl Lives. Lives. Dean. Yep. All those guys. Yeah. Burl Lives. That's a Burl good one. Lives. That's a great one. And those are the ones I grew up on. But lately I've been, I, I've attached myself to the more modern ones of our, like at the eighties, like Scott, do you have a, a couple you can play me? Like, I, I, I don't know. Do you have one? Are you not hearing it? No. <laughs> well, you should, what are you doing wrong? Oh, like this, right? Like the Band-Aid. Yeah. This is a good one. Right? This it, is great. Right, it was a fantastic one. You know why they don't know it's Christmas time in Africa? Because they're Muslims there, I think. They're Muslims. Think oh, there you go. Right. Yeah. Anyway. But the, the, I like like this kind of like that kind of song. Uh, you got any more, Scott? I think I got a couple. Yeah. Yeah. Last Christmas. This oh, is, this you is, got the, it. Yeah. These are some that, of my favorites now. Yeah, I agree. And you're gonna hear this, so you're gonna be like, "Oh, this is a list of a gay man." It's not. No. This is me. These are the, these are my choices. <laughs> But can, I love this one. They but, made a great movie of it recently. Did yeah. you see that? I, I didn't see You told me you to watch it. See I it. haven't watched it it's yet. It's one of those movies with a little twist of Rooney yeah. in it, yeah. and they, I think you'd like it. They made a movie based on a Wham song? Yeah. Wow, that's, you could, that's pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, it, it's really good, and I think you both should watch it. Wow. Oh, oh, this one's one of my favorites. I, Christmas. I gotta tell you. Just one. Uh, hang on, we'll wait till this. That, I, I mean... This is played year-round in every gay bar. Oh, just year-round? Year-round. In the summer, this is played. I can, I can, I we can go see that happening. I mean, around 10, 11 o'clock at night, if people are getting really Woo! juiced in the summer, it's like, okay, yeah, this will yeah. come on. And anytime there's a lull, just throw this on. Throw it on. If there's a problem. Friday night, it's like 1 in the morning. Yeah. Oh, it's getting quiet. Put on Mariah Carey. And people hit the dance it floor. It is huge. <laughs> Woo! And they go it, it's backwards It's especially out. huge at Christmas, but I have to tell you, Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is... Major in the game. It'll never go away. And LGBTQ, the huge. they love it, right? Love it. And the funny we thing about it. it is that I think it's on a lot of people's favorite lists, yeah. but I think it's on a lot of people's least favorite. Scott, what do you think? Yeah, because you can hear it on the radio when they play the, the Christmas music. You can hear it every quarter hour. Every quarter hour. <laughs> and that's a man who worked in radio. There there you go. Yeah, he knows. Well, you know, poor Mariah, she had that, she also had that debacle at uh, Rockefeller Center that one year. Remember oh, that where funny. they were cut out? Was she drunk? I, I mean, come on. Yeah. She, yeah. Right. What else you got, Scott? Run DMC. Christmas oh. and all the is, I love this. Let this play a little bit, Scott. How can you not? Have you never heard this? I, I do not remember this, but I'm, I'm liking the vibe of oh, it. Oh, yeah. So Party go just a little. Uh. This show needs a little soul. Uh. Yeah. Uh. You weren't here at Jesus today? Okay, 
See, okay. That's yeah. another great one, right? It's I, good. I agree. It's good. It's funky. It's good. I right. agree. I'm, I'm glad we're agreeing here because, it's you not, know, a, a few shows earlier, you were uh, on that kind of Taylor Swift track. And I was like, eh, uh, I don't know. She, I don't like her Christmas stuff. Yeah. Okay. I gave it a shot. Yeah, yeah. The, not the, good. The, the really, this, the, this new Christmas stuff is not, I mean. There's no just, reason to be making a new Christmas music. That's my opinion. What else you got, Scott? Yes, I do. Who is it? I've heard this so many times. Christmas is time to say I love you. It's Billy Squire. Do you remember Billy Squire? He was famous for the stroke. Uh, Lonely is the night. Everybody wants you. Do you remember those songs? Yes. Yeah. So he did this. So this was. A, this is one of my favorites now. It's probably my top three. Yeah. And this was used in some something local uh, many many years ago when we were growing up. It may have been. That's that's how Scott, I recognize you can fade the song. that out. But but the thing about that, they recorded that was recorded live yeah. at the MTV studios. That's where they recorded. That's Got why it. there's all those people. And that's not just for the video. The, the 45 or whatever yeah. went out, and it was a 45 because 45. On, the, on the reverse of that was the song My Kind of Lover. I know Useless Facts. That was his song, yeah. My Kind of Lover. Wow. But this was 1981. Billy Squire was huge, right? He was like, he had the stroke and, you know, all the, yeah. you know, stroke, miss, stroke. It was about My Kind of Lover was the B-side to a Christmas song? Yes. <laughs> yeah. No, no, but reverse that. Okay. Yeah, this was the B-side to My Kind of Lover. Oh, oh, okay. All right, so he had right. the stroke, you know, stroke me, stroke me. It's all about you know, pleasuring yourself. That I was, yeah. what, Is that what, what it's that? about? Yes, it's about it. I thought it was oh, about his grandfather. It? Yeah. I didn't listen, know that. he tells you all the rules or uh, the, all, to how listen. to do it. I, yeah, I, listen. Did, I didn't know how to do yeah. that. So that, that, that's, that it was huge <laughs> in 81, yeah. right? Then about 84, he, he comes out with this song called uh, Rock Me Tonight. Yeah. You remember Rock Me of Tonight? Course. And at the video where he was dancing around, rolling on the bed and like satin sheets and he had a pink <laughs> sleeveless t-shirt on mm. and he's like strutting around, humping the floor and it ruined his career evidently. People like, oh my God, we can't follow this guy because he's <laughs> supposed to be a rocker and he's being all effeminate. And it literally, yes. that's yep. what they're saying. I mean, I don't, I, who knows, maybe it, and like the guy, the, that guy, uh. Uh, the guy who choreographed High School Musical, he's the guy who choreographed this video. Um, Danny Ortega, I think his name is. Oh my God! Yeah, he 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 did it, and uh, yeah, so he's like a big all, deal. Yeah, or Kenny Ortega. Kenny Ortega. Yeah, so like uh, all the you know the rockers are like, oh my God, this is a guy who he wrote the Stroke and uh, you know my kind of lover, and now he's he's running around. Jesus, all effeminate. <laughs> That's what we called it in the eighties, effeminate. Yeah, you know, I remember. Can, you, well, gay, you can say gay. Well, no, I th actually, I think you said gay back in the 80s. Yeah. Did you? Now you would say effeminate. You also said well, other things. Yes. Because it was <laughs> yeah. the 80s. Because it was the 80s. The F word. That's right. The F word. Yeah. Which Freak? Is, it, no. But it's funny because I don't know if I believe oh, that. Oh, the cigarette. I, yeah. Cigarette right. Word. Or yeah. a bundle of. <laughs> a bundle yeah. of sticks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and flamer. Flamer. That's another F word. But know. here's my thing. I, I don't think like that could ruin someone's career because if you think about the time, the music that that was popular, like uh, you had Culture Club, you had Bowie still. Exactly. Like, even though he wasn't in his uh, androgynous state, but Queen. Uh, you had Bowie and Jagger doing Dancing oh. in the Street. Oh, yeah, that video. The worst. That video. Yes. I mean, the London. The, yeah. <laughs> Tokyo. South America. UK. Africa. <laughs> I the mean, worst. worst. Yeah. I mean, and it didn't seem to harm their careers. 
No. Right. Family Ma- Family Guy did a riff on it. That Seth MacFarlane. Seth, great. if you're listening. <clears throat> maybe um, maybe yeah, the, it was great. Billy just couldn't. Maybe it just ran low in the tank. People were done with him at that point. Yeah. It was a good three year run, right? Yeah. Or maybe it's just because it was unexpected. I don't know. Yeah. But I don't know if it was, uh, <laughs> if that was the, you know, the case that, that it could ruin a career. But anyway, that's, that's what I got. Do you remember in high school who my favorite artist was musical sure do who was it michael jackson that's right scott michael jackson and the jacksons were my favorite of course yeah my bedroom covered all four walls yep posters and pictures of michael jackson the jackson jackson fives latoya janet oh yeah and even reby the <laughs> centipede yeah right right you know her of course i do how do you know her hello huh. come on Reby Scott, did you know Reby? No, yeah. Reby Jackson. Jackson. Never Centipede. Heard. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of them. a lot of a lot of kids in that family. Scott, all really? talented. Yep. Yeah, I liked Centipede. Yeah, but that was uh, my, the Jacksons were my thing. Who do you got today? Yeah, who do I have today? Yeah, one very unique, talented, hmm. and special guest. Oh, who is it? That would be you. We are doing an episode today on. Tanya, Tanya, oh Tanya. This is your life. life. Here we go. People are, this is your life. Yeah, this is your life. Yeah. You've been ambushed. And right now people actually, are clicking their mice. <laughs> all their mouses, they're like, oh, that no thanks and click. Well, actually, this Scott, we should tell them that this is actually an intervention. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is a major intervention. We what, need what better way? Yeah. Thousands of people listening in. Yeah. So we need to, we need to talk about your issues. My, my drug. <laughs> No, you're Michael Jackson. This year. Just <laughs> Even worse. Yeah. I know. yeah. No, there yeah. are none of those issues. Yeah. Well, let me have it. Let's see. What do you got? Um, I wanted to do this and I know, and, and, and I know you, you brought it up too, but I've been wanting to do this. I remember when we first conceived of doing this, I was like, yeah, we got to have you on as a guest because you know, the, the purpose, one of the purposes of the podcast was to talk about you know, people with great stories and within those stories, it's literally people that decided to finally break out of the linear path of work mm-hmm. and change it up. And I think that the previous episodes we've had have, have shown that we have people on that have, you know, that were that were starting off as one thing or thought they should be doing one thing, stopped and and changed up and did another. Right. Um, you know, we've had people that have, you know, gone into one field and then at a later date decided to totally change. You know, they were they were going to be in business and now they're doctors. You know, they were they were going to be in sales and now they're drag queens. Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, there's so many incredible things and you've you've got a great story to tell. And that's what I want to talk about today. All right. You have a wonderful story to tell because, you know, we could start now with your 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 rise, you know, your your rise as a comedian, your popularity how you've built a, a whole other career separate from the career you had before. Yeah. So I'm happy, you know, I'm happy to start with that now, or we could, st- you know, I don't know well, if you want to do a traditional start in the beginning, but we, we, you can start in the beginning. You I mean, comedy has yeah. always been a thing I've wanted to do. Like it's yeah. always been, you know, something in my mind that I've wanted to do. All right. So let's start with that. Okay. <laughs> because <laughs> I mean, there are some incredible stories that not only I have, right. But many others have, from growing up with you. Right. Um, so comedy was always, I mean, let, let's talk about that. Like, where did that initially stem from? Was it was it just your own thing? Was it an escape? Was it just something you found funny that you saw on TV? Um, to, to, well, let's put it this way. I was the youngest of three boys. Yes. And uh, to 
get yourself, you know, to be seen and heard, you had to, you know, show off a little bit. And that's what I did, you know, just to, I would, you know, be the, you know, the, the jokey guy in the family doing the armpit farts and, yep. you know, saying things I shouldn't be saying. I'd watch because I would see what my brothers could get away throughout the years. And then, you know, by the time they got to me, they didn't care anymore. You know, it's like, oh, well, you know, we're our youngest. He can fly in his own. And your brothers were they, they weren't like wise guys like you were though. Oh no, not, not back then. Not back uh, then. I mean. Paul was always, he was more like Chet from Weird Science. Yeah, I remember yeah. we used to call, yeah. we used to call him that. <laughs> He's stupid, we called him Chet. We did. Yeah, and he even, you know, he served in the military and Pete was always quiet, very quiet. Yeah. You know, he didn't really, you know, he was rarely around and uh, it was almost like Chuck from Happy Days, that character Chuck, the older brother yeah. that was on one episode yeah. and <laughs> just disappeared. They wrote him off. Right. Yeah. That was like, that was like Pete and Pete, none of my friends, you know, they, they never really saw him, but no, that was, that was what it was like in my house. And, yeah. and I grew up with, you know, my mom mm. who was a character who was very, oh, lovely, uh, you know, brassy and, you know, outspoken. And my dad yep. was very quiet. Yep. And, uh, so I, I'm, I'm like a mixture of both of them. So, um, but I, I think I'm a lot more like my mom, you know, and I think, uh, the way she was, uh, it, it it, it led me to, um, you know, getting the courage to get up on stage and, you know, speak my mind and you right. Know, but tell it wasn't jokes. so. You did you get up before you finally committed starting comedy? You hadn't been on stage before. No, you were just you were you were, yeah. Because I just remember you just being whenever we yeah, would all just, go out, just the joker guy in the, the joker. Group. Yeah, right, right. And, you know, people always like, oh, you should try comedy. There's always you know somebody who says that to somebody funny <laughs> in right. a group of friends. And it's, you know, not usually a good thing to say to people because usually when you try it, it never goes well. Yeah. But, you know, it was something <laughs> that I, I mean, I loved watching HBO comedy specials and listening to comedy records that my dad had. I would sit and listen to them and um, I'd watch those specials and I'd be like, wow, this is fun. You know, like even watching the Mike Douglas show and Johnny I, Carson, I'd sit and watch and Merv Griffin. When that's I'd, where you and I connect because that's what I did as a child. Right. You'd sit and watch I'd those sit and watch it and you'd see these guys come out and make a crowd of people laugh. And you're like, wow, you know, because, you know, I, I did it with my friends. I would do it in school and get detention, but I'd make people laugh. But I'm like, these guys are going on TV and they're making all those people in that room laugh. I, I, I want to do that someday. But, um, you know, it, it was just something I w was uh, very fearful of trying, especially in my 20s, because I, you know, I cared about what people thought about me. Right. Yeah. And that's the thing. It takes a long time to get to that place of what other people think about you is none mm -hmm. of your business. Right. Because that's really what what it comes down to. I'm sure people have plenty of thoughts about me now. But oh, yeah. I, but you finally grow out of that. Some people do it sooner. I did a little bit later in life. But. Yeah. And, and, but, you know, people always they'll always have opinions and thoughts about you. And you just kind of come to accept that and, you know, move on with your life as you get older. But I did the whole route. I, you know, I, I graduated high school. I yep. went, I went to art school yep. for, uh, I got a background in graphic design and, um, marketing. And then I, I put the degree to use, you know, I went and got a job with a company called, uh, with Wegmans, which yeah. was, you know, they were affiliated with Chase Pickens. So yep. I worked with Chase Pickin and I worked with them for eight years. And then I just slowly moved on to different, uh, companies, you know, doing the same thing, but it wasn't until I was, uh, 40 that I actually there we go. tried stand-up comedy. All right. So let's talk about that point. So yeah. you've been doing the, the career thing as many people do. Yeah. And then there's always a point though with, 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 with leaders and, and in your case, leadership and also in a way an entrepreneur, there's always that point of like, I need to go do this. Like mm -hmm. what, what, 
got you up on stage or what even when was that first thought of like i just got to go and i've got to try this or do um this? yeah that it wasn't just like when people when you're younger they say oh you gotta you should be a stand-up comic yeah it wasn't until the early 2000s and this is where it gets you know kind of sad violinish it's but okay. in the early 2000s going through a lot of do crap. we have robin music yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but i was going through a lot of a lot of crap personally yeah. uh things like my my dad died yeah. um lost three jobs within two years not you know, just because the company's not doing well yep. um and uh we had uh we'd filed bankruptcy too so it was it was a yeah. tough uh early 2000s and then you you know you start to you know in your mind you're thinking you know oh, i'm a failure i'm a failure yeah um and it was something i never spoke of i never told people that we filed bankruptcy don't tell anybody we filed bankruptcy you can't right. tell it because it's dirty you can't you know right. um, silly I, no but at the time it's right i get it right I you're get embarrassed it. it's an embarrassing thing but it's not and you know it's it, it it was something that happened and it wasn't until like i i started seeing a therapist you and did. Uh, yeah so because i was you know kind of spinning out of control i'm like I, you know see a therapist and one of the first things he asked me is what's something you always wanted to do that you never did and i said oh, i'd love to have been an actor or uh, try stand-up comedy. And he said, well, why can't you try stand-up comedy? And I said, well, I'm too old. And he said, he's like, right there, he's like, oh, that's a cop-out. I go, well, I just feel like I'm too old to do it. Like, well, why bother? And he wasn't gonna put up with it, and he went on his computer and found a place that was doing an open mic at a place called Loving Cup here over on uh, uh, the Rochester Institute of Technology campus. It was just a coffee shop. So I went, I did it, and I bombed miserably. It was terrible. Really? What happened? What, what, what was well, your... It was an open mic in the true sense of an open mic that it wasn't just strictly comedy. <laughs> and it was, uh, you know, whatever you want to do. Like the guy I followed was playing the harp. So it's not usually <laughs> oh, one of those. Not, <laughs> like not usually a good... Like Zelda and her amazing pigeons. It was a guy. Okay, yeah. yeah. I did, I remember, was, yeah. Okay. And it just, it wasn't like the crowd was getting ignited from it or anything. And then here's this guy coming up telling five minutes of things he thinks are funny and it didn't go well so i came back and i told him you know i had to come back and report to him and he said well you need to do it at a comedy club and i agreed so he went and found the comedy club which was what it was called in webster at the time okay and they had a showcase and i went and did a showcase i did a different five minutes i got some laughs and i was hooked from that point and uh after i did it i went up to mark ippolito who runs the comedy at the carlson here yeah. who, who i actually work with now as uh, the marketing uh, yep. manager, um, I, I didn't know him from anything back then. But you know, I said, "What do I do to just keep doing this and you know possibly get better?" And he said, "You know, you just got to keep coming to shows, watch shows, talk to headliners, features, talk to the hosts. You know, get to know everybody, ask questions." And I did, and I would go, and I'd pay to go see shows. So, so at this point, though, and and we'll keep going. So at mm -hmm. this point, though, you're. And as you're doing all this, are you looking for other work? Is this like your side I'm hustle? Yeah. So you're working. So I'm you're working. working while this is going on. Yeah. You've been in therapy. The therapist wisely, which I love. He, if I was, he's exactly the type of therapist I think I would be. I wouldn't just say it's a cop out. I would literally get online and be like, look, and you he can did. do this, did this. Yeah. That's I love. So, okay. So it's great. So we've done that. You go to the therapist, you meet Mark, you're in there. And then it's like, watch other shows, do a yeah okay and i would i would go like every maybe friday or saturday and i'd pay to get in and i'd just sit in the back and watch performances and you know i'd do what he said i'd say hello to you know headliners even yeah. though they could give a crap about who i was and you know people were featuring hosts and ask you know questions and i did and 
you know, I would also go there and uh, in the hopes that Mark would give me five minutes just to do a spot. And he usually did on Thursdays and he would oh, throw he did? me, yeah, he okay. threw me up to do five minutes and, you know, you, and you, you kind of get better by doing that. And, um, like depending on how I did, he would, he would very honest, tell me, you know, that was terrible. Don't ever do that joke again. Or he would, you know, praise me. And, uh, and I just, I learned that yeah, way. You had a mentor, Mark, I the did. mentor. And then That's eventually great. it got to the point where he didn't even, you know, care if he didn't want me to pay to come in that I could just come and watch shows. And then eventually he worked me up to host. Um, and then I became a feature act and I've, I've headlined a few shows. So, um, you know, it's, it's been a slow progress but you know a, a fun, I don't think a it's fun been, 11 years i don't think it's been slow you can't rush something like that i think anything that's if you rush into something like that and you're like hot immediately yeah. you, you know that crashes the crash oh, yeah. the yeah. crash is worse than the climb you know yeah it's like the climb is like oh god this is so easy it's fun i'm getting on and then all of a sudden it goes away it's like oh wait well, what happened yeah you know it's like it's a one-hit wonder right like you know it's like mc hammer you know like, well, and there's a lot of crashing there's you know during that, that 11 years. I mean, not like well, every time you go up is gold. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, so I have a couple a couple things. So number one, and I, I'm sorry I forget the terminology, but what what was your first, you know, when you, when you, when someone tells a joke and they get the, like. Applause break. The applause break. What yeah. was your first, well, if you remember the joke, like what was your first applause break? If you can remember and what was it about? Do you, well, you remember? I, you know, I can't remember, but okay. I, I still get the same feeling anytime I, I do get an applause break. It's, there's nothing better because you know that the audience is, they're, they're rolling with you, that they get it and they're relating to it. And that's what I, what I try to do with my, my humor. I try to do relatable humor to, you know, make people look, if I look out in a, at a table and I see a couple sitting there and they turn to each other and go, Oh my God, you know, I can see them saying, that's so you, that's you, that's something yeah. you would do. I love that. Or, or they hear them say, that's so true. Or, you know, I know that, you know, that's that, that, that the bits are really working and yeah. there's nothing like going up there and you uh, have a bit that you've been doing for a long time. And then to pepper in something a little different into that bit to see if it connects. Yeah. And there's nothing like that. I mean, when, you know, you add something new to a bit and the audience, you know, starts, uh, you know. So how did you find out what was, uh, what like for you, what's taboo? And, well, and, and I know and what's you, taboo. You know what's taboo, but did you have to go through it to find out what's taboo or did you just do no. it by observing other people yeah, you and know, seeing what happened? You know what's taboo just by seeing okay. enough and okay. watching, you know, even the, the big headliners and, you know, big headliners, you know, they can get away with it to a degree because people are coming out for an evening of, you know, George Pulios. They're going to see George Pulios. Okay. Um, but I, I never was one to, you know, go out and want to be controversial or um, try and, you know, upset people. I never want to divide the room. You know what I mean? There you Even go. With, I don't want to do politics. Okay. So politics. No, for not, for, it's so, not for me. It, it works right. for other people. No, just, no, I it, would never. Let's do this in the frame of I'm, you're my mentor. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm getting ready to do, you know, I've been doing little bits and I'm getting ready to do like an actual show host or what I'm going to host. Yeah. So what are you going to tell me to avoid? So well, politics, you, yeah. you want me to if avoid? If you're hosting, definitely I would tell you to avoid politics. Okay. Um, I would also, I know, like, especially at the Carlson, we ask people, you know, to keep it limited to one F-bomb when you're in the host position. Got it. Okay. You know, because, it, and here's the thing, hosting is probably the most important part of the comedy show. Right. That's the most important part. Right. They're steering the ship. They're getting everybody ready. They're out there energizing the room. Yeah. If the host doesn't do well, it usually, 
you know, the rest of the show can be tough, but you know, if you have a good feature and a headliner after they, they can do what's called digging out of the hole that the, the host left and get everybody back to, you know, a, a good, a good spot. But yeah, um, I, I would tell them, you know, stay away from politics, stay yep. away from religion. Yeah. And it, it, if you're up there, it's usually five to seven minutes in the host slot. You should be up there getting, hey, everybody, how you doing? Good to see you out here. You know, ask people if it's their first time, talk to a couple people and tell them what they have in store for them. We got this great feature act. We got your headliner, blah, blah, blah. Give it up. And then maybe one or two of your bits, you know, one that are tried and true and good. Okay. Don't go up and try new stuff. It's just all about getting the room ready. See, I would like to take the Rickles approach, but as a host, you can't, you can't, you can't mm-hmm. insult people. Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> See, I love people that know me know that I like to be sarcastic and I get, you know, and don't get me wrong. There's people who go up and do it. Right. But, Some are successful, but I, I mean, it's very rare. So as a host, it's more about, it's kind of like the greeter at like a big store. Yeah, you got, if, you, if you have a great greeting when you walk in, it's like, oh, this yeah, could be a nice. good experience as opposed to like that one retail store we went to once where it's like, oh, wait here. Uh, oh yeah. And yeah, we were like, belt. yeah, the belt. Uh, don't go past the belt. Uh, yeah. Like we were all, then, right there. We were like, all right, this place sucks. So, all right, I get that. So then as a comedian, you'd also avoid politics, avoid religion, that's sort of the, if I was for the, me, yes, yeah. but okay. not for everybody. I okay. mean, it works okay. for so some people. Okay. So but, I mean, a lot of, a lot of people do politics right. and that's when you do stay well. away from, I just, I, I want, I want the whole room happy. Right. You know what I mean? I don't want anybody coming up after me and being like, how could you say that about, you know, president so-and-so right? or you know, right. whoever's in office at the time. Right. And that's, a, that's a weird thing about comedy is that throughout the ages of presidents and comedy, yeah. whoever's in office gets made fun of. Right. But, but leave that to maybe the talk shows to do. And well, when you go there's to some standups who do yeah, a really good job. Yeah. But, yeah, there are, I guess. But when I think about it, it's like you can get all that yeah. on the Tonight Show and, you know, Colbert and all mm-hmm. that. Yeah. So it's like when you go out to a comedy club, you know, yeah, I don't I don't think that's a bad practice. That's exactly it. Like in my mind, when people come out to a comedy club, they want to forget about things. That's just my thinking. Right. You know, they want to go out and have a laugh. They don't want to, um, you know, think about politics or, you know, COVID or, you know, whatever else is going on in the world. You know, I I think it's an escape. And I I want people to leave thinking, oh, that was a great show. Beginning, middle and end. The hosts, the feature and the headliner. It took my mind off. Took my mind off. Took my mind off. They're all great. What a great time. I don't want to be in like, you almost want to leave exhausted from a comedy show because that shows you've been laughing. You're emotionally drained. It's like, oh my God, that was so funny. I mean, I'm exhausted. That's a good, right. Their their stomach hurt. That's what I like hearing the next day. If somebody writes me on social media, I laugh so hard. My stomach hurt. Did it really? I don't know. Right. But it's a, it's a nice expression that makes a comic feel good. No, for sure. For sure. Um, so go, going back a little bit. So you start hosting. Yeah. Um, then you start headlining. So when, what, no, well, I featured after oh, you that. Featured, That's the sorry. Middle, it's called so, the middle act, the middle act. So where, where's the point where it's like, okay, I've, I've like, when do you feel you cross the line into like, okay, career, like you cross the career line. Was that with, with featuring or was that featuring? Posting? Yeah. Okay. And so I let's didn't talk know about, I was let's feature talk about that. ready. You know, I, I, I didn't think I was, and you know, I just okay. waited for, you know, Mark eventually said, you, you know, you want to feature and it was on a, it was on accident that I got my first um, feature spot, and it was with David Keckner. I don't know if you know who David Keckner is. He was so uh, featuring though. You're not whammy. the headliner. You're the you're 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 the act before you're the, the middle guy. You're you the got middle your guy. host. You got your middle act. 
okay. which is a feature. So the host, the feature, and, and the, the headliner. headliner. Right. Beautiful. Right. Okay, great. So the headliner is, you know, whoever the club booked sure. for the big weekend. And that that was my first feature spot is when uh, I, I featured for David Keckner, And it was only because the person who was supposed to feature uh, was was sick. Okay. So I would just, ha- you know, I was at the club hanging Did out. Did you, you use roofies or what would you use? <laughs> yeah, I roofied him. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. I just, no, people use different things. Yes. Just wondered. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, Mark said, uh, do you want a feature? And I said, yeah, sure. You know, and David Koechner, I mean, for people who don't know, he was in the Anchorman movies. He was a yeah. the sports guy. He was a news cancer champ kind. And I mean, he's in everything. He's like that guy. He's always in people like, who is that guy? It's David Koechner. He's, uh, he, he's the best. And so I, I did my first feature weekend, you know, five shows that weekend. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I still host, I'll host now. I mean, oh, there's some, there's some comics are like, oh, I only feature headline. I'm like, well, I'll host any, anytime, you know, it, it, sure. that, that should be in your repertoire. You should have no problem hosting, you know, on occasion. Yeah. You, you, know? you don't, the bottom line is, and no pun intended, you just don't take yourself too seriously. It's like, yeah, I was a host before I can host again. Yeah. And that's, that's a key mark of somebody that's got emotional intelligence you never think you're too good for something because as soon as you start thinking that that's where it all starts to unravel yeah in any kind of business right yeah and the the thing about hosting hosting's tough you know people you're the first person out right you're coming out cold people have sitting there drinking they've been chatting and all of a sudden the show starts and you're the first person they're seeing and you gotta uh, entertain these people and you also not only do you have to remember you know get the crowd going what bits you're going to do you have to remember the introduction and name of each person you're bringing up after you so uh you may not know who your feature act is it might not be a local person it could be somebody that the that's headliner right. brought and right before the show you'd be like oh what, what are your you know what do you want me to say about you and they'll be like oh tell them i did uh, colbert fallon and uh jay leno and I have a new podcast coming out. You got to remember all that, right? You know, and their name. You just met them, and the pressure, and the pressure of you want to set them on the right. You want to set a great platform for them right. to jump on. You right. don't want them to be like you said before, digging out. Yes, digging, <laughs> digging out a hole. Yeah, right. So yeah, it's a it's a tough position, and uh, you know, I, I I'll never feel I'm above hosting. Right. Yeah. So so the feature moment was when it was like, okay, this is a career. Cause you were still, were you not, still, not wor- were you still a... working at the other, like, oh, yeah. oh, so you're still working while yeah. you were doing this. And then like, what was that moment where it's like the work, the, the other work the, the hustle has now become the, the career. Um, it became more of, a, I, I could say I work in comedy in 2017, which okay. was seven years after I started. Right. And, uh, I'd done a one man show, um, yep. where I was, I did a thing about, it was called Me, Myself, and Mom, where I, you know, just went up yep. and did a one-man show with, you know, it was a little bit serious and a little bit of comedy in it, and it's on YouTube if you want to check it out. I was there. Yes, right. Yeah. I'm just, you know, telling <laughs> I know. the I'm listener. Kidding, and um, and uh, <laughs> so 2017 yeah. is when Mark left that comedy club in Webster, New York, and opened his new club, the Comedy at the Carlson, yeah. and asked me to come, you know work there as you know his marketing manager that's the dream and i did and it was at that point not that i was a career stand-up comic i could say comedy is my career i am now a stand-up comic and i'm the marketing director of probably the finest comedy club in in the united states in my opinion i haven't been to everyone but 
I, I think it's, we run a pretty good show oh, over at Comedy It's, at the it's a fantastic space, and it really speaks to the heritage and, or even more so the history of comedy. Oh, That's yeah, what I yeah. like about it. Yeah, and it, it, Every little detail from the, the name of the rooms to how the rooms are set up yeah. to how you use the, the stage, the sound, the lights, yeah, all and, of it. And I'll tell you, you know, and Mark Ippolito hates it when I say it, but it, it was his vision. I, I mean, I went there once when it was empty and yeah. the, the ceilings were, you know, water was coming through the ceilings and he's like, he's in there he's going, yeah, I could see the stage over here and we put the bar over there and we put that another room over here. And I, I saw nothing like it was just an empty office space, but he built it into this beautiful facility yeah. with state of the art sound. The sound system's incredible. Um, the lightings are great. It, it, everything is great. And it's all because of his, uh, uh the years, it, he spent in comedy, which is right. 20 plus years and listening to comics and what the, the stories they tell, like what it's like at other, you know, shittier clubs and what, you know, they would expect to have at a club. And he, he implemented it and made this, this fantastic comedy club. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, that, that's, that's another great point. Um, you know, especially whether you're an entrepreneur slash leader, it's like you, you're, you build a vision and you, you can't, some people just have vision. Not many do. Sometimes you have to build that. And mm -hmm. for him to be able to look and just, he didn't see a raw leaky stinky space. Yeah. He saw this club. Like yeah. he, he just said, yeah, this is what it is now. I'm talking about where we're going. Yeah. And that's how you always want to think. Like, yeah. especially if you're going to do a business, it's like, where are we going for? Yeah. We got to start. Yeah, here. you do. And that's something we both learned from, uh, Mark's partner, uh, Dr. Suresh Goel, who, yep. who, you know, um, is part of the club as well. He's, yep. you know, uh, one of the owners and, um, he has a vision like it's, it's people, you hear him talk and people are like, Oh my God, this guy's crazy. But he's thinking five years down the road at mm -hmm. all times. And then it, once you implement some of his ideas, you're like, oh my God, he, he was right. You know, yeah. it, it, it's very rare that he has an idea that you're like, this will never, well, you are in your mind, like this will never work. And then you implement it and it works. It's just, you know, right. it, it, it's good to have people like that in your business, you know? Yeah. yeah. No, that's great. So, uh, let's, so far to date, what are some of your, what, like, what was your biggest show? Well, biggest the me myself and mom show will always yeah. be like the one because that that was tough you know yeah. for many reasons um to go up on stage and you know open up about your mother the relationship you had growing up and uh somehow all of a sudden you're the one in charge of taking care of her you know because as right. our parents age you know things happen that's right and uh so yeah that, that so there's one, well number one you're being vulnerable but number two it's a comedy club so you've got to like yeah so you're you're playing you're you're on that balancing act of sensitivity and comedy because right. you know there are other people going through what you're going through you're trying to you're trying to put that positive light on it and I, I think I did that. And, that's, I, and I, I did. I totally agree. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I felt that was important. And I, yeah. what I love most about that show was afterwards how people would uh, write me or, you know, talk to me the next day and say, you know, uh, because of your show, I, you know, I feel more connected with my mom or my dad or both of them. And uh, because of your show, I called my dad the next day. And, uh, it, you know, it gives me chills now thinking about it because it, I did something that helped reconnect people you know, through a story, but also through comedy, because I think comedy is a, is such a healer for people, Oh, you completely. know, just to be able to laugh and, um, you know, that's, you know, just like the silly stuff I do on social media, little funny things I write. And, uh, you know, people will say, Oh my God, that's so funny. I needed that. And it, you know, that comedy is important. I think it's important to our culture and to be Absolutely. able to laugh 
is even more important because of what it does physically. Absolutely. People. So yeah. if you had to make not not a prediction, because look, you you've worked, you've had visionaries mentor you. Mm-hmm. I'm sure some of that's rubbed off. If you had a vision for yourself or for what, like, because this moment is going to pass. We all know it is. Mm-hmm. It's going to drag out. Yeah, but it is going to pass. So this moment passes. If you had to make a, if you had to place a few bets. Whether it's on yourself or where you want to go or what you want to be or or, or what's gonna what's gonna be happening next with comedy, what do you think? For me, yeah, God, I don't know. Okay, you know it's it, it's funny too because I'm happy with what I'm doing. Yeah, I get to feature for major acts. You know what I mean? Big names. I I mean I've worked with everybody. Like I've worked with Kevin Meany. Yeah. Um. Oh my gosh, I, David Koechner. Um. I'm trying to think. I mean, there's so many that I've opened for. My friend Chris Frangiola. Yep. Um. And recently I've been hosting uh, what's called Drag at the Carlson, where I met Mrs. Kasha Davis at a, yeah. another show that was at another theater. And we connected and we brought, you know, um, her shows to the Carlson. Which was brilliant. Yeah. And and then she asked so me much to, fun. to be the, you know, the standing host for each of the shows. And th- that, that's been fantastic. You know, it, it's a whole different crowd that I get to do my humor for, you know, and you think, oh, it's just gays. It's not just gays. Oh no! It's it, it, it's your you know, white suburbanite women. It's mainly white suburbanite white women. women and some some gays mixed in. But it's a whole different experience because uh, I'll tell you what; those crowds are better than any just regular comedy night crowds. They, they, you you can get away with so much. They love it. They love the totally. you know the off color, the body. You know, the, the, yeah, the, those are fun crowds. But that that's one of my my favorites. But any and then like um, anytime I got to open for my friend Kevin Meany when he was yeah. alive, those were special shows to me. And then um, uh, recently I worked with uh, Jimmy JJ Walker uh, yeah. a couple times. And you know a lot of people in the business, you know, he's angry and cranky and old. But he and I connected for some like we we it's actually text we text during this quarantine and we call and um it's just cool to you know some you know you become friends with some of these people that you grew up watching on tv and stuff oh you know? my god yeah. yeah good times come on we all watch that oh, it was a legendary show you know completely iconic I, iconic yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely so yeah um so those are you know a handful of you know some of my favorites that's great yeah and so then in terms of the in terms of the club i mean right now it's you guys are doing music and yeah, some food on occasion to just you know, to deal with yeah, what's right. happening. But once that's gone, you'll just get back to the business of comedy. You think? Yeah, yeah. I, I and I, I hope it's quick. I mean, I, yeah. I don't I don't know how like, you know, people aren't going to be like, we got to get out of our houses. They said everything's good, you know, like in The Wizard of Oz when the yeah. sky turns bright blue. Right. I just think it's people are still going to be a little apprehensive at first to go out in public, uh, especially, you know, to, you know, a theater or a comedy club or movie theater. Well, it sounds like you guys have, but you guys have the vision behind you. You'll come up with something that will be, because you did the drive-in comedy, which I thought was fantastic. Those are great. Um, That that was Mark. Mark and Vinny came up with that idea. Vinny Paulino is another uh, comic here in Rochester, works for the club as well. He he does a a podcast out of the club. That's great. Every week. But they came up with that idea and we were the first in the country to do it. So back in May, it worked. I know. Drive. It was a great idea. So I have a feeling that you guys are going to come up with something Oh, really I, special. I, I think so to, too. That's going to get people, that's going to make people feel comfortable. And even if it's only 20 people at first, that 20, 
will grow exponentially. And that you, that you say that, and back in May when they, or uh, June, when they told us we could open, we were open for a month and then we had to shut down again. But back in June, when we were open and we had shows every weekend and people weren't coming out in droves, you know, no. it was, we had like 20 here. The most we had, I think was like 50, 60 people at, in one show. And the sure. max we could have was 170. So, you know, it shows you people, you know, they don't, there's people who yeah. want to come out and there's people that are like, nope. I'll come out in 2024. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Who knows? So, uh, yeah, it's, we'll see. I, I just hope, you know, they come back. No, of course. Yeah. And they will, they yeah. will. It's just, it's just a moment. I, I, you know, I think the important thing out of all this hearing, hearing you talk and hearing your story is that, you know, yeah, everybody goes through stuff, right? Yeah. And sometimes you're on a path that you think you should, you should be on because that's how we were raised. You know, we're all gonna, you know, Go to school, go to college, get married, married have, have kids, kids. Yep. you know, stay in this job, retire at a certain age, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I admire the people that finally just choose like, no, this just isn't, this just, this isn't for me. And there's something I've always wanted to try. And there's very few people I know that not only answer the question of if you, if you thought you couldn't fail, what would you do? They'll say it, but they don't do it. Right. And that's the key. And the, how you did it by taking a chance, listening to your therapist, he pushed you, that's great. But then you, all you needed was the push because then you put in the work, you right. put in the time. You went to shows and just watched mm -hmm. because you really loved it. Yeah. You know, you watched old, I mean, come on, you and I still talk about like watching the old Dean Martin roasts oh, yeah, and all yeah. that. I mean, yeah. those are great. Yeah. That was the time to be. We would have yeah. killed if we were back then. Oh, yeah. We would have loved it. <laughs> um, you know, it's like, so, but you put in the work yeah, and that's, that's what a lot of people, right. Cause that's a lot of people don't put in the work. Like, oh yeah, I want to do this. I'll just go. No, you put in the work, you did the research and you built something over time. It, it doesn't have to happen so fast. And I doesn't. think that's what people have to realize. It's like, whether you're 25 or 40 or 45 or even 50, I kind of feel like I'm starting new again now. Yeah. You, you, you know, you, you, you put in the work, you put in the research and if you know, you love it. Yeah, you just do it. But it's very few people that'll do that. And the and, and the important thing is too is um I think failing is important, especially mm -hmm. when you go up on stage and bomb. Yeah. There's and just like in any business you you're given a task and you fail at it at first and somebody maybe they'll get mad or they'll explain it to you nicely, but it's important because you're going to learn that and then you probably aren't going to do it again. You know, you'll, you'll find a way to get around For sure. you hope. Otherwise, you know, you fire that person if they keep doing it over and over. But it, just like on stage for me, you got to go up and bomb every so often because then you listen back to your act and you're like, yeah, I got to get that out of my set. That's terrible. Or, you know, um, it's just, I think it's important to have some bit it of is. failure in whatever you do 100%. and not be ashamed. And that takes me back to what, um, I was talking about with the, the bankruptcy, how it was taboo and horrible for me to talk about. My therapist taught me there that why is nothing wrong with it. He said, you could be helping somebody else by saying that you filed for bankruptcy and they'll be like, Hey, look, Todd Young and filed for bankruptcy. He's not dead. Nothing happened That's to right. him. He's still living. Yeah, love, I had, love him or hate him. Mike Bloomberg got fired from four jobs. I think he did all right. Yeah, he, yeah, he, he, <laughs> he panned out for yeah, him. Yeah, panned out yeah. for him. Yeah, he did all right. And and but in addition to the failures, though, Todd, the one other thing, um, and I know it might be small to you, but it's big to me, is that as you went to these shows, you didn't just watch you. You went up to people and started talking to them. 
Yes. And it didn't matter whether they thought, oh, who is this kid? Or, oh, yeah, somebody else wants to be a comedian. You didn't care about that. You went and talked. And there are a lot of successful people that say the difference between being successful and failing is going and asking those questions. Right. And doing it. Like, some people are like, oh, I hate to cold call. Well, the people that cold call, they do pretty well because they they, yeah. they know they're getting they a cop the on a lot. Right. But then they get those one or two, hello, oh, hi, and... That's all you need. Right. And so uh, I find it important and I stress it to, you know, young com- or not young, they're in their 20s and 30s or people who are just starting out that we're just giving at the club will give host positions to. I always stress to them how important it is to get a rapport with the weekend headliner, you know, try and, you know, um, you know, get get some FaceTime and, you know, say, hey, you know, if you need a ride or anything this weekend or if you want to go out to lunch or whatever, I'd love to, you know, I'm, I'm available. Here's my number. You know, a lot of them don't want to be bothered. Some do. There's some that want to, you know, socialize and you, you can tell right away if they don't want to be bothered. But for sure, I'll sit in a green room and chat with them about comedy. You know, I'll, I'll ask them, you know, questions about how they got to where they are. Great. Um, they may hate it, you know, but some are, are really good about it. And, you know, I think a lot of people just like to, you know, tell their stories and get it yeah, out. You can't be dissuaded by people that are just like, oh, I'm too busy. I'm too busy. Because there's going to be the one person that isn't busy that wants to talk about it. Right. Maybe they need to talk. Yeah. And I've, I've been I've been lucky and I've found a bunch that have helped me uh, comic wise, yep. you know, as well as, you know, even Mark Ippolito. I mean, I, I sorry to keep bringing up Mark Ippolito, but he's the reason, you know, that I'm able to you know, get the spots I do because he, he believed sure. in me back when I first started. So that, that, that guy will always be, you know, yep. And it all started with the conversation. You've got to, you, right. you, you can work. It's networking even it is. in business, even in comedy, it's networking. You got to do it. And you know, it, you, you got to take the risks. That's all. Yeah. yeah you have to, mm-hmm. because the, the, only, the only thing that happens is you just say no. And eventually right. you'll get a yes. Right. So I agree. Yeah. All right. My last question, which I'd love to ask certain guests because of their, their, stories in their tenure is if the author if there was an author that was writing your your story up Mm. until now is there anything you'd want to rewrite um i don't think so great i i i'm sorry to give a short answer i mean there was a time when i was always like i wish i'd tried comedy in my 20s i wish i'd tried comedy in my 20s but it's it's um it's a, it's, it's a negative way of, you know, think cause it's back there, it's in the past, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, it, 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 talking with the Mrs. Kasha Davis, I, I learned that through her, you know, you know, why, why even think about that? It's in the past. You right. didn't try it. So what you tried right. it in, at 40 and you had, you know, it, a success, minimal right. success. It wasn't huge success. I'm not well, like a, you know, some big headliner, but not yet. I'm, I'm getting the journey's up on, still going. I'm doing that right. I'm <laughs> doing is. something I love. I'm getting up on stage, That's right. making people laugh. And if they had a bad day, a week, a year, um, I, I gave them some laughs and made them feel good. Yeah. So yep. I agree. Yeah. Well, thank you for today. I think yeah. it was, uh, we've been wanting to do this. And yeah. I think I mean, today was the perfect was day to do it. a big surprise today. That was exciting. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Love it. Um, Guys, we've been talking to our co-host, uh, Todd Youngman, who is also an international comedian. Because <laughs> I performed in... You did perform in Canada. Canada yeah, International comedian, Todd Youngman, who's also head of marketing at Comedy at the Carlson in Rochester, New York. Yep. There we go. Yeah. I, I, I want to thank you, but I'm just going to see you all the time. So I, I mean, know. Thanks for doing it, but, you know, it's but part of the show. We'll have to do you next. <laughs> Oh, yeah. 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 Get to know George. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Why not? All right. All right. 
Nice seeing you. I love it. Nice seeing you too. Say goodbye, George. Goodbye. <laughs>